Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Cast. This is a special episode where we're going to be previewing the Tribeca Film Festival 2019. Um, and when I say we, it's me, John Burke, with special guest David Ortega. Yo, yo, yo. What's up? Uh, not much, David. How's it going, bub? Good, man. Yourself? Uh, good, good. We're heading into our second uh, trip to Tribeca. We got to go last year and we're heading over there on May 1st. We're going to be there from May 1st to May 5th. And we're going to see quite a few movies. So we're going to take a look at what we're going to be watching while we're there. Um, David, are you excited about returning to Tribeca? Oh, dude, I, I can't wait. Last year was a, a positive, awesome experience. First time being in New York as an adult, it was like being in a movie. And then seeing all the movies that we saw, seeing some of the cast and crew come out and listening to some of the Q&As uh, right out the gate with Tully and, and Jason Redman. I mean... Uh. That was such a cool experience to get to see Tully with Jason Reitman. Um, I, don't, I hope we get some cool experiences like that again this year. Uh, we're, we're there when they're previewing yesterday, Danny Boyle's new film. And right now we're, we're locked out, but we're hoping still that maybe we'll get lucky with a press invite. Um, but we are seeing uh, extremely wicked, shockingly vile, um, shockingly evil and vile. One of the hardest names I will ever have to Wait, remember. Extremely wicked. Okay, extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Yep. Uh, stars Zac Efron, um, and is about Ted Bundy. Now, we're seeing that uh, Thursday night. We're kind of jumping out of order here, but that movie is probably the biggest movie on our docket right now. It premiered at Sundance. Um, it, it had decent reviews at Sundance uh, from what I saw. Um, I'm still excited about it. I'm hoping, because we're going to a night screening of it, that uh, there might be some cast members there. Maybe Zac Efron uh, can fan out about how great Baywatch is. Not so really. That. It's not great. It's on Hulu though. Um, in the extended cut, so you know that's gonna be good. Um, yep. But so since we're gonna be there uh, May first, we're we're getting there kind of early in the morning. We're gonna try to squeeze in a couple of movies and a uh, a talk um, with Rashida Jones, which we just signed up for. We're excited yes. about. Um, Too bad we can't make that Marty McFly one. Yeah, we Michael, Michael J. Fox is speaking on the thirtieth, and we were invited to attend, and we're not there, and now I'm heartbroken. Um, because if you follow me on social media, and whatnot, you'll know I'm a big Back to the Future fan, and being in the same room with Michael J. Fox, uh, especially in that setting where it's a press kind of intimate talk, would have been like a dream come true. So I'm very, very sad that uh, I was one day off. Um, from being able to attend, but I, I'm excited about Rashida Jones and hearing what she has to say about being a storyteller. Yeah, um, she's just been in so many films and television shows that I've enjoyed that uh, it, it's it's going to be nice to go and see them and listen to what she has to say. So yeah, so we're gonna just kind of go through quickly what movies we're looking to see while we're there. Um, a lot of these movies may not get distribution for a little while. Uh, one of the things I've enjoyed this uh, since 2019 started is watching. Movies we saw at Tribeca end up on Netflix and end Little up on... Woods. That's another one that just came out. Yep, Little Woods just got an official release. It was actually at the Gasparilla Film Festival that I went to a couple of weeks ago. Nice. Um, but I didn't see it again because I already saw it. But um, Jonathan just got added to Netflix that we saw most of. We it were a little late. A, a theatrical release too, I believe. Like, it did. Yeah. A small theatrical run. It is on Blu-ray and DVD, but it is on Netflix now. Um, and a bunch of other ones that we saw there have started kind of creeping up and showing up on things and... Um, it's ahead of the curve and that's essentially what we get to do is we're going to see a bunch of movies that hopefully, um, people will want to see later. So we're going to start with our hope for a uh, Wednesday afternoon. Um, and that's if we get there and everything settled in on time, uh, we're going to be seeing swallow, um, which is directed by Carlo Marabella Davis. 
and stars Haley Benet, Austin Stowell, and Dennis O'Hare. Uh, Dave, you want to read the synopsis on that? Sure. A hunter, a newly pregnant woman, finds herself increasingly compelled to consume dangerous objects. As her husband and his family tighten their control over her life, she must confront the dark secret behind her new obsession. And it's listed as a drama, so I'm, I'm intrigued to see uh, if this is like a surreal film or if this is treated seriously. I've heard of uh, things like this, but... And what I think it's going to cover, based on the description, is sometimes pregnant women, to my understanding, will develop pica, which is a disorder, mental health disorder, where they consume non-edible hmm. items like dirt or uh, paper. I mean, it, is that nicknamed goat syndrome? Because it feels like a goat. Greatest of all time, Tom Brady said. Yes, exactly, <laughs> Tom Brady. <laughs> Ouch. He's um, a goat. That's true, I guess. I mean, uh, he's all right. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you like cheaters, but um, so yeah, I, 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 that's what I'm hoping it mm. covers is pica with a pregnant woman. I'd like to see that. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it, apparently it, it is something that does happen. There's research out there, case studies. So that's that's interesting though, because I, I don't, I'm not familiar with that, and I like seeing movies about stuff I know nothing about because it's a, a lot of times a really cool way to be introduced to. Uh, a subject or a topic that could be very compelling or um, at the very least uh, interesting, right? Because I'm not familiar with this. But um, well, on a personal level, I, I've known that uh, children have had this, but I've never heard of it with an adult. And I guess with pregnant women, that's a specific mm. category case where that could happen. Uh, well, um, next up on the Wednesday, May 1st, we're going to be seeing a film called Buffaloed. Um, which is uh, directed by Tanya Wexler, maybe Tanya Wexler, depending on your choice of that A. Um, stars Zoe Deutsch, Judy Greer, who I'm always a big fan of, and then the questionable curveball man, the one who doesn't always pan out, Jai Courtney. Um, oh, yeah, I, okay. Yeah, uh, sometimes he's okay. Um, sometimes he's really, really bad. So we'll have to hope. Um, I like Judy, Zoe Deutsch. Who's playing Suicide Squad? Oh, I think he's Flag, Rick Flag, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, uh, Boomerang or something like that, right? Oh, he was Captain Boomerang. I'm sorry, you're correct. He, that way, he was. I actually liked him um, in that movie. That was one of the few characters I thought was really funny. Uh, but he's in Terminator Genesis. Also in so Spartacus, good. which is where I first saw him. Ah, okay. And he's I've heard you, you've praised Spartacus quite a bit. Oh yeah, um, I. Uh, he's in a really good movie called The Exception um, that has him and Christopher Plummer and. Um, Lily Collins, I always screw up her name. A good day to die hard, right? Lily James, I always screw it up. It's always the other one. Um, and he is the son. I've not watched that one. I've heard that one's real bad. I liked it, but you could put out a die hard movie and I'll I'll probably enjoy it. Yeah, there's always something, right? Like, because a lot of people. I still didn't see the first one, though. I cannot believe you've never seen it. I'm probably gonna get a lot of flag for him. I should have said that, like, now it's out there in public, man. Yeah, he's seen the fifth one, but not the first. Um, yeah, you gotta watch the first one. It's so good. I have problems in the eighties and nineties with like watching movies. I'm I'm catching up. Bear with me. I, I get that. You know, they're not all gonna work out. But um, I'm excited about Buffalo. Uh, you want to read the synopsis? Uh, pronounce Zoe's last name for me again, please. Deutsch. Deutsch. Okay, so Tribeca alum Tanya Wexler returns with a Ross's comedy starring Zoe Deutsch in a go for broke performance that checks one woman finding her calling in an ethically debatable industry: debt collecting. That. I'm going to probably get real frustrated with that one because debt collectors. Debt collectors. Yeah. Um, stupid student loans. All right. Did it say this was a drama or a comedy? I, I missed. I didn't say it, but a comedy drama, according to IMDb. Oh, okay. 
good. Which, yeah, I, I tend to like those. So that's it right for uh, May 1st. We're going to do Swallow um, uh, and then uh, Buffaloed. And in between those two, we're going to see Rachida Jones talk about being a storyteller. So we are uh, excited about that first day. And, of course, we're going to probably be a little tired because we have to be uh, at the airport at like 550 um, and then we got a three hour flight or so, and then we're going to be rushing around New York trying to get everything squared away. Our hotels taken care of, but we got to get there, check in and all that. So two, two movies and a talk is asking a lot on our first day, yeah. but we're going to try to squeeze it all in. Hopefully with nothing will fall, you know, we won't get a flight delay or we won't end up taking longer to get from the airport to our hotel, that kind of thing. Oh yeah. But either way. It's going to be great to be out there though. Oh yeah. Uh, Thursday and Friday are really where we're going to be seeing a bulk of the movie. So uh, Thursday, we're getting a little later start than I would like, but mainly because some things uh, conflict. But we're going to start with a movie called Lost Bayou. And um, I am, uh, just to mix up the flow, why don't you go ahead and read the description, and then I'll get into all the statistics on it. Okay, so Gal is helplessly adrift in her own life, trapped in a cycle of addiction and estranged from her young son. When she receives a cryptic and troubling call from her faith healer father with alarming news about her mother, who, passes, who passed away several years ago, Gal reluctantly packs her bags and ventures to her father's houseboat in the remote Louisiana bayou. When she arrives, she quickly reveals to her a disturbing secret that's been harboring, that he's been harboring. Man, can I read? I think so. <laughs> the corpse of a mysterious young woman perfectly preserved and tucked into his bed. Oh, wow. His revelation forces him to face a reality that neither of them wants to be true. What follows is a literal and spiritual journey across the, oh, this one's a toughie, Atchafalalaya Basin, um, where both Gal and her father are forced to reckon with the grief they've been trying to so desperately suppress. That I couldn't have announced, pronounce, enunciated that any better than you just did. I couldn't get that word out. Um, uh, so uh, it's directed by Brian C. Miller Richard. I don't. That's Brian C. Miller Richard. I don't know if Richard is not. Hmm. So I'm guessing Miller Richard is his last name. So. Um, stars Terry Wibble, Dane Rhodes, Hunter Burke. Um, and Hunter Burke is also a credited writer. So, um, <clears throat> Terry Wibble is a gal. Yes, the lead uh, from the look of it. I'm not familiar with Terry Wibble, but uh, th- basically, um, this is interesting because I did not come across this one in looking at the films. Yeah, and it, it sounds interesting. Um, it the 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 choices we are limited to critic screenings. What what's a playing? Um, there's a few documentaries before this. I'm not opposed to documentaries. Uh, David's a little less enthralled by them um not that he is against them but he doesn't always get uh intrigued by the premise of of just watching everyday people's situations that is going to say it i don't have anything against them per se but they just don't draw me in or attract my touch as much as a um, you know a narrative story or uh just your your regular film does i don't know yeah, and I, it but took to be me. Fair, a, I don't give them enough of a chance. I'll admit that. And I, it took me uh, doing BerkeReviews.com for three and a half years now um, to really get into documentaries being something that I look forward to. It used to be like, oh god, nature docs, you know. But now I'm, uh, I, I have a much higher threshold for them. I've seen some bad ones though. So, like that said, like uh, I do enjoy Planet Earth and ones that have that visually stunning kind of mm-hmm. element to it. See, I, I get those bore me faster because I like information. Yeah. And that's why well, I agree. Like, I'm like, Oh, that's pretty next. That's how I kind of approach that. Like, um, 
but if it's like if it's a story, if there's interesting uh, things being said, I can get really into them. But we are going to see at least one documentary, which we'll get into. But next up uh, for our day after Lost Bayou, we're going to rush over to. Uh, actually, we got a little break here. We get a lunch break, and then we're going to go see Goldie. Um, Goldie's directed by Sam Day Jong. I'm assuming. Uh, stars Slick Woods, George Sample the Third, and Danny Hotch. Slick Woods. So Goldie Sleekwoods is a streetwise 18-year-old dancer with big dreams of big fame, even as she is stuck at home minding her two sisters while their mother is in jail. When an opportunity to audition for a real music video comes her way, Goldie feels the time has finally come for her star to rise. All she needs is to I'm sorry, all she needs is a perfect canary yellow fur coat she has had her eye on in a local vintage store window. But with the day of the shoot rapidly approaching and Goldie's pocket still empty of cash needed to purchase the goat, her desire for it and its perceived promise of transformation become an all-consuming obsession. And um, she's been on episodes of Wild and Out. Uh, she's a model for Fenty Beauty, which also, I guess, is Rihanna's beauty line. Okay. Um, and that's the most of it. Um, a TV series called Love Advent, but... She played herself, so I, and it says it's a short, so I'm not super familiar with it. But oh, apparently she was on an episode of Catfish. Um, Drama. The Catfish or the movie? No, I'm sorry. Oh, the movie. Uh, the movie is definitely drama. Yeah, just drama. Um, I, I like the premise of it. Um, I, I often like movies about like people trying to get into the entertainment industry, and and uh, depending on how the tone this film takes, the fact that it's not listed as a com- comedy. Um, I'm intrigued to see that, uh, to see like how serious they go with it or how, you know, is it going to be one of those kind of dark looks at the, uh, the industry and that, you know, how shady and corrupt it is, um, may, may be good because of course could also backfire and not be very interesting. Why I'm interested in stories too, where somebody's obsessed with something that they believe is going to be a transformative experience for them. I just need this one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree with that. Yeah. That like, cause I I guess I get obsessive, but I get obsessive in more like diverse kind of things. Like I like movies. I would say I'm obsessive, but like one thing. And so it is a lot of times me trying to figure out like what, what leads to that where it's like so devoted. Um, man, there was a movie that uh, big tuna, who's a regular guest on the, on the episodes. Um, I can't remember what movie it was. We disagreed heavily. And I, I know it was something with obsession where I just couldn't relate to the character because of that obsession. So I am intrigued to see if this will uh, speak to me or not. Um, but after we see Goldie, we're heading to see Rhodes. Um, this is a comedy drama. Um, it's listed as a uh, Germany film, according to IMDb. Um, it's directed by Sebastian Schipper. Uh, stars Fionn Whitehead. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce this because there's... Is it, you think Stefani? Because there's an asterisk... Or not an asterisk, but a um, accent mark on on the e. Uh, I'm not sure. Ben Chaplin. Um, you want to read the synopsis on that one? Sure. Uh, an unlikely pair of teenage loners hit the road in an impromptu border crossing adventure in the cross cultural road movie from the breakout director of Victoria. Which that is what sold me on this movie. Um, I I really like Victoria. Uh, it's a it's a super ambitious film because they filmed the entire like two hour movie in one take. In one take, no oh, yeah. cuts. And it's a heist movie. So there's a freaking heist in a movie where there's no cuts, one camera. And um, it, it's it's crazy. Uh, some of it is boring because they can't, like they have to get from one part of town to another and they're riding bikes. So like you're just riding bikes with them because they have to get the camera there. <laughs> so, you know, you're just kind of waiting there. And uh, 
but it's it they filmed it three nights in a row victoria um the whole movie three nights in a row so they filmed the entire movie three times and they ended up using the first one really? so yeah but you know they needed to make sure they had the best cuts the best takes because actors can't let me do that again this is you get one take when it's all you know no cuts i do love about the one take approaches for me it's more immersive i feel like i'm there and i, I want to observe other it things can. that i would normally you know, notice in a scene or watch for small nuanced things that the actors are doing. And I mean, you know, like Birdman has that illusion. This is a true one take. Like this is one camera always recording. Like there's no, because Birdman, they cut and they digitally stitch. This is not digitally stitched. Um, I don't know if Rhodes has anything like that uh, claim. Mm -hmm. I I would imagine the filmmaker is not trying to just recreate the same uh, technique he used in a previous film, but um, he, I enjoyed Victoria enough uh, to, when I saw it was him, I was like, yeah, I'm in, I want to see Rhodes. And it's, it's kind of, I love coming of age stories. Those always work for me in a, a good, a good buddy comedy, which is kind of what I'm getting the vibe from like a buddy road trip. Uh, I'm, right up my alley. Yeah. It's so up my alley. So I'm totally in for that. Um, and then later that night is when we see extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. I actually got it out without yeah, messing it up. Um, and that's our last movie for Thursday, uh, which Hopefully, um, there might be an after party for that or something that we can attend. Um, if not, we'll probably hit up a New York, you know, restaurant or maybe uh, see what's happening in town. Um, but I have to, of course, write some reviews in the meantime of all these things too. But um, I managed to fit yeah, them in pretty well. Too. Yeah, yes, or the Starbucks, uh, which is where I will likely be a lot. Um, Spike your Starbucks. Yeah, there you go. Treat myself. Cheat myself. Um, Okay, so the first documentary that we're going to see is The Next Morning, which I am super excited about. Um, one, because I, I do, uh, I like talking about documentaries. I teach uh, docs as part of my entry-level course at my high school. Um, this documentary does not have much information out on it, apparently. So uh, we'll have to go with what you have for now. Um, it's called I Want My MTV. <clears throat> All right, so... A touchstone in the lives of millions of young people, us included, mm-hmm. as well as a home for musicians and filmmakers to display their frequently offbeat sense of artistic vision. Upstart Music TV, I'm sorry, Upstart Music Network, MTV, burst onto televisions on August 1st, 1981. Via a combination of a scrappy handful of young adults serving as hosts, the fly-by-the-seat of their parents' production style, and the music mini-movies that were the foundation of the original channel, MTV was like nothing Americans had ever seen before. Yeah, and I I grew up uh, MTV. I remember some of my favorite New Year's Eves were just watching the 100 video countdown on MTV, like because I got real obsessive about yeah. list, and I would like have to watch the list and like who's number one, you know. And it was it, it varied because some years they would do of all time, and so like it was almost always smells like Teen Spirit was in the top like three or four. Oh man, oh yeah, I remember. Uh, got and you know you, late night they would play a lot of the heavy metal. Oh yeah. Like, um, Liquid Metal? No, Liquid Television was great. Headbangers Ball. Was the oh, show. that's right. Headbangers Ball. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, Beavis and Butthead, oh, yeah. Daria, uh, I mean, TRL. Changed which... our whole, I think our whole culture was changed by Beavis and Butthead. I think like the way we interacted with things, not for the better, mind you. I think it kind of wrecked some things, but it definitely had a heavy influence on our culture. So I'm curious to see what this doc is about. Um, obviously, I mean, it's about MTV, but. Well, this will be a good example of a doc that I want to see because I don't know what happened to MTV after I stopped watching it. I yeah. know it's around. I know that some of the shows that I watch are still on, but it doesn't have the, the pool that I want well, to see for me. They but. dropped music from MTV. And right. now it's just called MTV. There's now I go to Vivo when I want to watch yeah. 
I'm actually surprised how many people are still making music videos because there isn't the, I mean, yes, YouTube is a readily available outlet, but it's not the same as a curated like list of songs. Of course, at the same time, that means that you get to choose what you listen to. But, um, I I like, sometimes I like curation because I, it, you know, I only know so many bands. Mm -hmm. If you pick something for me to listen to, there's a chance I'll like it. There's a chance I won't, but at least I get an opportunity. It's kind of the thing I like about festivals is, I wouldn't have necessarily picked these movies if they weren't available. And I'm trusting the Tribeca people to have selected quality enough films that I may not like them all, but they are still, you know, they're not just me sitting on YouTube and Googling movies and hoping for the best. Like this is a curated uh, essence of quality type films that hopefully will speak to me. Some won't. Um, I'd say last year, a good portion that I really enjoyed. There was a few that didn't like the first. I don't remember what the movie was called, but the very first movie we saw was Uh, too weird uh, for my taste. Ghostbox Cowboy. That was totally it. Good God, man. Memory. Um, Ghostbox Cowboy. Uh, Yeah, that and I'm not saying it's a bad movie, but it didn't work for me. I was was, uncomfortable sometimes with the audio and I I, I know that they were going for. Yep, uh, it's definitely what they were going for. But it didn't work for me, so it's like eh. the timing too was a bit odd. I mean, we were tired. We came totally. We it was really like, late oh, movie. Man. Yeah. All right. So after we see, I want my MTV. I don't have. I, I can't find any confirmation on like who's directing it and whatnot. It looks like Tyler Meesem, nice little nostalgia. Oh, the nostalgia trip for sure. Yeah. Patrick Waldrop, um, MTV co-founders John Sykes and Tom Freston are a part of it. Um, uh, so it's Tyler Meesem. I'm trying to see what he's done. Sons of Perdition. Right see Jesse again. Honest Liar. Uh, Jesse. Jesse. Yeah, the guy. Oh, oh, from know. MTV. Yeah, 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 man. Um, Yeah, Tyler Meese and Patrick Waldrop are involved, uh, and we'll have to you know, see if it's any good or not. Um, next up, we're going back to the narrative side, uh, which is called The Weekend. <clears throat> All right, so getting over an X can be tough. Getting over an ex who's intent on saying friends and who appears to have had no trouble getting over you can be downright brutal. That's the situation 29-year-old comedian Zadie, Zadie uh, played by Sashir Zamata, finds herself in. Still hung up on her old boyfriend, Bradford, played by Don Bell, and still using him as fodder in her standout act, even though he's now dating the very different Margot, uh, played by DeWanda Wise. Yeah, um... It's interesting because on IMDb, Shazir Zamata is like build last, but uh, I don't know if it's, it's probably alphabetical. It is alphabetical. That would make sense because um, there's only five people listed. But um, we saw Jellyfish I last year, Jellyfish. and I did too. It was one of my favorite films at the festival. Um, it's it is on Prime now, which I've been uh, trying to evangelize the crap out of that movie. Nice. Just like people watch this movie um, because it's great and. Uh, <clears throat> I um, really, really, really hope that this has the same type of vibe. It's not the exact same movie, but she finds comedy in Jellyfish, and that's what she kind of devotes her, like, she's having a hard time with life, and comedy becomes her outlet. So I'm hoping that there's a similar kind of thing here. I love stand-up comedy. I I grew up in that era where Comedy Central was all stand-up most of the time, and I watched it so often. So anything with stand-up, I look forward to... However, a lot of times movies get stand up wrong, and so this could have that side effect. So I'm hoping that these people actually know comedy. I don't know any of them. It's directed by Stella Maggie uh, or McGee. I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure. 
Um, I always love seeing a female director uh, work, though, because they are underrepresented on uh, in Hollywood. So that's one of the things I love about festivals. I get a lot of opportunities for a more diverse uh, group of individuals. Um, she has not done much else yet, nothing that I've seen, uh, but she's got a few things in pre-production, um, filming a movie called The Photograph. Did a couple episodes of First Wives Club, uh, Grownish, an episode or two. Oh, she directed, I'm totally wrong. She directed Everything, Everything, which I liked. Um, I, I, it's a teen, you know, teen fiction and it's a, it's a very redundant story. It's been told a few different ways, but I thought it was well acted and I thought it was well directed to be honest. So, uh, that sells me even more. Let's, I'm looking forward to the weekend. Um, and then from the weekend and some of these we may not get to see, we're kind of pushing a few, uh, opportunities here. Um, so if something doesn't work out, uh, time-wise, we may have to skip one. Um, but we're going to try our best to see uh, all of the things we're talking about. This one is called Stray Dolls. All right. So early in Stray Dolls, a passport is unceremoniously shredded unbeknownst to its owner, Riz, an action that stands in stark contrast to the owner's hopes for a new beginning. This duality propels the action of Shunjuhi Sinha's moody and atmospheric thriller. Uh, leaving India behind to break... With a life of petty crime, Riz arrives stateside and gets a housekeeping job at the decidedly landlocked Tides Plaza Motel. Its manager, Una, houses and employs several other young people in dire straits, including Dallas, Riz's new roommate. At first, antagonistic, the girls soon realize that their opposite personalities uh, complement each other. Dallas is a bit of a wild card hooking up with a skeezy dealer who is also Una's son, whereas Riz is guarded but stolid, uh, pardon me, reluctant to take any route forward that isn't entirely legal. That was an interesting description. Yeah, Very it gets a little, little worry sometimes when you try to articulate a whole plot into a paragraph. But um, So it's directed by uh, uh, Sone Jui Sinha, and I am so sorry because I, totally I totally know I butchered that, and I apologize. I'm not great with names in the first place. Um, and that one was a challenge for me. Um, not seeing any of her work, but again, I, uh, another female director, so I'm in for that. And then I just realized, I was looking at this name, Olivia Dijon, and I'm like, I know that name. What do I know that name from? She is in The Visit, and she is in Better Watch Out, which is one of the movies that I have been praising. I got to interview the director for Better Watch Out, Chris Peckover, on a, a Top 5 podcast a couple years ago. It is currently in my Christmas rotation. It is a Christmas comedy horror film. And it is amazing. If you skip Better Watch Out. Or no, no of you're thinking of Krampus, which I also love. Um, but uh, Better Watch Out is a little more uh, sinister than that. And very every time you think you have a grasp on what's happening, I think he's good at subverting your expectations. She is terrific in that. Um, I like her in The Visit. I love her in Better Watch Out, though. So uh, the fact that she's in this has sold me even more. So I'm very excited about Stray Dolls. And I think Cith Cynthia Nixon sounds familiar to... Um, she doesn't. Oh, she, oh, that's why she was in Sex in the City. Uh, hashtag shame. I did watch Sex in the City when I was a kid when it was on HBO. But Jessica Parker's in it, and one of the characters from Lost. Oh, in uh, Sex in the City. Yeah, he uh, played Hurley's best friend that he was hallucinating. Oh, okay, Dave, I think. Uh, man, I. I, don't, <clears throat> um, I mean, I'm sure I know, but I, it's not. No, no visuals are popping up. Wasn't the guy who was the uh, the, the police officer stepfather 
to uh, Scott Lang's daughter. Wasn't he in that show as well? I can't remember the actor's name. Um, You'd recognize him. I think he was. It's very possible. Very possible. I Man, there's a lot of movies called American Woman. Um, I got to confirm that this is the right one. So uh, after Stray Dolls, and this one, was, there's a chance we'll not make this one because Stray Dolls ends at 12.07. Okay. And then uh, American Woman starts at 12. So we might miss seven minutes if we can get in, or we might not be able to get in if it's already packed. Um, but we're going to try uh, to to squeeze in. It's it's one theater over, so we shouldn't have two, like one auditorium over. Um, well, let's go with the synopsis, and I'll see if I can find out if this is the right movie. All right, so adept at living off the grid ever since she masterminded an act of violence against the American government, 25-year-old former radical Jenny Shimada, played by Hong Chao, agrees to take care of three fugitives who are on the run. One of them, the kidnapped granddaughter of a wealthy newspaper magnate. Mag, oh, boy, I'm going to butcher that word. Um, um, mag, magnate? Magnate, thank you. Yep. Uh, Sarah Godon has become a national celebrity for embracing her captor's ideology and joining the revolutionary cell. Simi Chelas, played by, I'm sorry, uh, from Mad Men and the Romanovs. Producer of, yep. That doesn't say it there. I'm looking at it here. Makes her directorial debut with this fictional account of the real-life woman who spent time with heiress Patricia Hearst after she was abducted. Oh, I, oh that's very interesting. Um, Hearst contact. Uh, yep, credited cast is Hong Chow. Oh, Ellen Burstyn's in this. I am so sold. Um, John Gallagher Jr.? Okay, I was already going to want to see this, but now those two have convinced me um, that we must make it work. Hong Chow is the lead, though, and I'm not super familiar with her... But I have seen her in a few things. She's in Downsizing. Oh, my God. Is she the lead? In the, well, co-lead and Matt Damon's the lead. But Okay, wow. Oh, yeah. Still haven't seen Downsizing. It's not great. It's not a great movie. However, uh, she is really good in it. And she's also in Inherent Vice, which I love that movie. Um, big <clears throat> PTA fan. And I'm still behind a few of his movies, but the ones I've seen. Um, okay, American Woman. Now I really want to make sure we see that one because I like Ellen Burstyn is in The Exorcist. She's the mom in The Exorcist. And then you saw Requiem for a Dream? Yes. She is the uh, the mom of Jared Leto in Requiem for a Dream, who has the major side story about her uh, addiction to the game show. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then uh, caffeine pills or diet pills. Right. Um, juice, juice, juice. Oh, man. So such a good – it's such a crazy movie. Like, I don't know if I can ever sit through it again, but at the same time – It's been a while, yeah. Um. All right. Uh, oh, and then after this one is when – uh, David, I think, was one of the most ex- – like, this is one of the ones that when we first looked at the whole lineup, you had this one marked, uh, Georgetown. Yes. Uh, I love Christoph Waltz. So, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm often a fan. I, I have not – he's in Downsizing, actually. <clears throat> oh, Lord. I was excited to see that when it's really came out, but uh. – Let's see. Uh, Ulrich Mott is an eccentric and versatile social climber with a grandiose with grandiose plans to affect the United States foreign policy. He's encouraged and egged on in his attempts by a strategically chosen and much older wife, the well-connected journalist Elsa Brick, uh, played by Vanessa Redgrave. Mott has a knack for making himself indispensable and impossible to ignore, whether it is as an intern, the perfect host, or a brigadier general of the Iraqi Special Forces. He has an impeccable sense for when to flatter and how to deftly use political jargon to his advantage. The only one seemingly immune to his charms is Elsa's daughter, Amanda, played by Annette Bening, who might simply disapprove of her mother marrying a much younger man, or perhaps she senses something much more sinister beneath the smooth-talking surface. 
Yep. So um, Vanessa Redgrave, very talented, but Annette Benning is an actress who I'm a big fan of. I like Christoph Waltz. I am always a little skeptical, uh, but always intrigued by an actor returning director because I believe this is his debut. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd like to see what he how he comes across with this. Um, it's a, listed as a biopic crime drama, uh, but it's a short runtime, only an hour, 40 minutes for oh. that type of movie. So it, it's hopefully it's, that's a good thing. Hopefully it's, con, you know, uh, concise and, and nice and tight, but we'll have to wait and see, um, how that pans out, but I'm excited to see it for sure. Um, next up I think is one for me, I'm the most hyped that there could potentially be, um, cast members at the screening because we're we this is not a critic screening this is one we paid for right. um it's called lost transmissions oh i'm i'm super hyped about this movie yes i'm, I'm uh, quite excited it's directed by Catherine o'brien um who i feel like i've seen something from <clears throat> i have not she's this is her first feature um and i'm always again excited to see uh, how that plays out but her cast is strong um we got alexia daddario whose name i'm I feel like I pronounced correctly, but I might not be. Uh, Juno Temple, but the big sell for me is Simon Pegg. I'm a huge, huge Simon Pegg fan. If you listen to the podcast, uh, you know Edgar Wright is my favorite director, and him and Simon have worked very closely together, going back quite a ways. Um, And I am kind of always in when Simon's on a list for something. So if he happens to be at the screening, I will probably fangirl Real hard. So um, if you hear shrieking, I apologize. But uh, what's what's Lost Transmissions about? So after a memorable, um, pardon me, after a memorable introduction to a party, aspiring songwriter Hannah, played by Juno Temple, falls under the spell of talented record producer Theo Ross, played by Simon Pegg. As they become fast friends and begin to collaborate, Hannah discovers that Theo is a schizophrenic. It's just like personal schizophrenia. Let's not let's not label here. Statement. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I gotta get oh, no. hours. Uh, who refuses to take his medication. Uh, as Hannah's career begins to take off, Theo's condition worsens, and he lashes out at friends trying to help him. Undeterred, Hannah undertakes the difficult task of helping Theo salvage his place in the unforgiving Los Angeles music industry, while at the same time getting him into treatment. The numerous obstacles thrown in her way reveal the disturbing inadequacies of mental health care in America. Which, I, I'm intrigued by that. I... Uh... Yeah, I've got some opinions about healthcare in general in yes. America. So, um, uh, I'm always intrigued to see this take. And uh, Simon Pegg, I don't think gets enough credit at his dramatic ability. Um, I think we always think of him as a comedic actor, and he is—he's a great comedic actor. But he—he he can do the serious. Um, right. Even in the the com- comedic roles, man, when there's the d- dramatic moments, he sells those those sad scenes to me. I, I'm I'm in for this. Um, I, I'm excited about this one. I really well, do I'm hope he's there. Looking forward to I, I the fact that they're going to discuss the quote unquote disturbing inadequacies of mental health care in America. Just mm-hmm. for the listeners, I'll disclose that I'm a licensed mental health therapist in real life, and um, you know I have some problems with the way things are diagnosed or the stigmatization that uh, mental health generates, or, or you know how people view others with mental illness, and uh, you know something that I'm passionate about, mm-hmm. and knowing that people. Um, I, I, I would I think that mental health is sensationalized quite a bit in film. Oh yeah, uh, and there's often for detrimental to 
the portrayal, you know. Um, yeah, they definitely don't do uh, anything to help the field, but uh, in some cases, you'll find great films uh, about. I mean, A Beautiful Mind, one good example of um, you know a film about mental health that I that I enjoyed and found to. I don't know if I can sit back and say it's accurate. I haven't worked with many patients like that. Yeah, and um, I've heard like he's the theories he gave to us end up being detrimental in the long run about like uh war probability. But as again, as far as the portrayal of the mental health in the film, I think Ron Howard did a good job um, with, I, I think again, like I am even less qualified to make that decision. Uh, than you. I enjoyed Unsane, but yeah. didn't do anything to help out uh, people's like comfort level with like, no. being Baker acted. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or if anything, oh, they're going to, the stalker will just be there. <laughs> so, you know, I, I I can't think off the top of my head now. I'm a spot of a movie that really does a good job of portraying yeah. mental health, but uh, definitely something that I will enjoy seeing. I'm looking forward to this one. Well, the next day, because uh, that's our last movie for Thursday, right? And Alexa's okay. Good, cancel. Don't talk. Okay. Um, nice. Stay, everybody, stay calm. Let the AI <laughs> just <laughs> think that it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not needed currently. Um. So Saturday, uh, right? Yeah, sorry. Uh, I guess that was Friday. Lost Transmissions is Friday night. Saturday, I'm moving through this. May the 4th. Saturday is May the 4th, and we're going to be in New York, and we couldn't resist going to see Star Wars A New Hope at a special screening um, because it's freaking Star Wars in New York on May the 4th. And let me read the description here, which is uh, typed in all caps. It is Star Wars on May the 4th to be with you. Yeah, we don't need to give a description. I mean, it's a no-brainer right it, there. It's a, yeah, it's a new hope in New York on May the 4th. I am so excited. Like I, I When uh, Mike and I covered the Star Wars celebration in Orlando two right. years ago, we didn't get to go to Chicago this year, which I was very bummed about, especially because of you know Episode Nine's reveal. Um, and when we were there... Uh, we did catch a screening of Empire, but we didn't see New Hope there. And it was it was okay, but it was like you know they had like a screen and a projector. It wasn't like a real screening. You know, it was like you you have enough money to have your own home theater kind of setup. It was nice, but not the same. And now I've saw all the, the when they did the re release in the nineties. I think you and I probably even went together to a lot of those. Um, well, th- that's what I'm wondering with this because I still haven't seen the original. I know, and it's because like, it's at a festival. Unadulterated. I I am so hoping that this is an original like film. <laughs> I own the original on VHS. I do too, and I haven't watched. It. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Watched I don't have a VCR anymore. The the remastered. But yeah, I am. If this was the original, that would be amazing. I'm sure it's going to be a DCP. But if it was a, if it was actually on film, like original cut, like I'd be like, oh my god, yeah, let's do nuts, it. Man. Yeah. Um, but either way, uh, they are encouraging cosplay for this, and it is family-friendly and free, in fact. So if you're in the New York area, um, you can go to Tribeca.com, search for Star Wars A New Hope, uh, and request your RSVP, your tickets, and you can uh, maybe meet us up there. Um, then, after Star Wars, we get a very tiny break. We're going to have to kind of rush over to the other theater. Uh, we're checking out a documentary that is very close to home, like literally, for, for um, both of us, uh, uh, yeah, in, in a few ways, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, after Parkland, um, it's directed by Jake Lefferman and Emily Taguchi. Uh, it's a doc, so I'm not gonna. There's no stars per se, but it's uh, people affected by Parkland. Um, Dave, you want to read the synopsis? Yeah, uh, the horrific. The horrific events at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Valentine's Day 2018 continue to resonate in our lives among the reports on the emotional aftermath, the gun debates, and the inevitable social media chatter. For the survivors and the parents of the fallen students, 
there's also the everyday life. In this movie documentary, Emily Taguchi and Jake Lefferman look at several survivors. David Hogg, Victoria Gonzalez, Sam Zeef, Dylan McCudi, along with Manuel Oliver, who lost his son Joaquin in the shooting, and Andrew Pollock, whose daughter Meadow was a victim. Under a cloud of grief and shock, both the students and parents face life-changing challenges where there is no clear path. Each one, in his and her own way, must learn to manage their trauma within their daily lives of basketball, preparing for the prom and graduation. So we, we're Florida-based. I'm a high school teacher. Um, there's a lot, you know, I actually, uh, there's a student at our school who was at Parkland, <clears throat> like, not long. I think they, I think the student left before the shooting happened, but mm-hmm. knew the kids and whatever and were heavily affected by this. Um, and then, of course, anytime any shooting happens anywhere as a teacher, you're, you're scared, you're afraid. The students are scared and afraid. I've had to go through so many different trainings, active shooter trainings and things like that because of things like this. Um, so it's a documentary I think is going to be emotionally tough to and sit through. What's interesting about this too is, you know, so in hearing what you just said, I would in my day-to-day job in the past would have no way to identify with that other than, oh, I wonder where that would go. But I've participated in the active shooter. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, because I also work in the schools and I work with children uh, right there in the schools. And this is such an emphasis. It, it, it's created so many guidelines for how children and students and what they say and how we react and, and, treat yeah. and assess these threats uh, has come into play now. And I think it's 7026 is, is the law that, uh, you know, safe schools will go out to the homes, uh, check where the guns are at. Uh-huh. And this has led to um, even social workers being able to go and be trained as what are called guardians mm-hmm. and uh, being armed on campus with a firearm and having an assault rifle at home that they can go to get. I think they keep one at home. I don't know exactly how that works, but I know somebody who's done that. And then at the schools that I go to, you know, you now there's a uh, polk. Um, let me, let me. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll trim that. Um, there's, there's a, uh, you know, an armed security guard that works for the school board that looks like a police officer walks around with a, a, a Glock 17. Um, and it's, it yeah. has definitely, this event has changed a lot in uh, many people's day-to-day lives. But as somebody who has, you know, been on the outside of these events, it's uh, definitely had an impact on, on me on a day-to-day basis as well. So I'm, I, I while I typically don't gravitate towards docs, I'm really looking forward to seeing this one. Yeah, um, it, it's one, again, that I, I couldn't miss uh, while we're there because of the connections that we both have. Um so we'll have a little break from um, that doc to our next film, uh, but we're planning on checking out Crown Vic, which I don't know if you knew this uh, about the cast in this movie, but you know our boy Thomas Jane's in it. No. Yeah. So really? yeah. Um, not that I see it now. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's directed by Joel Souza. Okay. Um, and it. Why do uh, I know that name? What else is he directing? I saw I'm looking up because I know the name too. Um, but no, nothing. This is just maybe we're thinking of the tequila. Um, but yeah, no, uh, he's directed Break Night um, and then everything else is, is small. Okay. Uh, Ghost Squad, Hannah's Gold. But Okay, it, it sounded something about that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he's got a name that sounds familiar. Um, uh, it co-stars, uh, actually, I think David Krumholtz is our lead. Thomas Jane is, uh, no? Depending what, on how you read I it. Think? Um, and then uh, Bridget Monahan, Mo- Moynihan, who looks familiar. 
Oh, she's an iRobot, Battle of Los Angeles, Lord of War, Some of All Fears. Yeah, so she's... Oh, and John Wick Chapter 2. She's Helen. Oh, and she's in John Wick. So okay. she's just a regular... I don't remember who Helen is in John Wick. Um, that's surprising. Uh, can't wait for John Wick Chapter 3. Um, apparently she's not in that one, though. So, uh, Dave, what's the synopsis for Crown Vic? So, Crown Vic follows two police officers, Tom Jane and Luke Kleintank. At opposite ends of their career over the course of a single tumultuous night in the Olympic Division of Los Angeles. A rookie looking to escape from the shadow of his father finds his first patrol spiraling towards a search for a missing girl and a violent hunt for two cop killers on the loose. The squad car becomes a home to the musings of the rookie and his older partner as they chase down a motley crew of increasingly aggressive suspects roaming their patrol zone looking for trouble. Yeah, um, it's listed as a uh, action crime drama. Um, I know Thomas Jane isn't always great. Uh, if you want proof, you can check out last year's Predator, or The Predator. Um, oh, that's right. It yeah, so not so good. Uh, but I feel like that a lot of that was the writing. Um, the guy with mental illness. I yeah, the horrible portrayal of mental illness in that movie. Um, thanks, Shane Black, for having such a good movie with the nice guys, and then horrible, horrible garbage with The Predator. But um, He did have some funny lines. Yeah, and his, his, I don't think it was the performance. I think it was just the script was not good, but... Yeah. Um, and they gave him Tourette's, uh, <laughs> and that he then drops halfway through the movie too. But, um, anyways, uh, Dave and I are fans of the m- mostly reviled 2004 Punisher film, um, where Thomas Jane plays. He's great. Uh, you could make some strong arguments about the rest of the movie. Not it was being the so first good. proper Punisher film. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I still like it. Came I came a long way from uh, naked Dolph Lundgren sitting on his knees in the sewer for whatever reason they had. It he's looking for Ninja Turtles, man. Um, but so I, I'm excited about Crown Vic. I'm definitely looking forward to giving that one a watch. Um, and when that one is over, we're going to be checking out a film called Dreamland uh, that stars Margus, Margus, Margot Robbie and Travis Fimmel and Carrie Condon, uh, directed by Miles Joris Perifiti. Perifiti. I have no idea. I apologize. You're on your own on that one. Yep. Um, but what is the movie about, Dave? <laughs> So, uh, Dust Bowl era Texas, Gene Evans, played by Finkel, a young man living on a farm where his family is coping with dust storms and the depression, tries to help make ends meet. After uh, five people are killed during a holdup in a nearby town, and a $20,000 bounty is placed for the capture of the bank robber, Allison Wells, played by Margot Robbie, he sees an opportunity, one that's more in the grasp, pardon me, one that's more in his grasp than ever imagined when he finds her hiding out in the family barn, but nigh impossible when when he becomes spent with her, I become spent with Margot Robbie too. Yeah. And then we get um, Carrie Condon is in it. Uh, she is in three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, she was on uh, some of Better Call Saul as Stacy, um, and she was in Rome. And then uh, she's the voice of Friday in Avengers: Infinity War. Tony Stark's AI. Oh, really? um, and then uh, it also has Garrett Hedlund, who's in a bunch of stuff that I've seen. Um, I don't always like him. I don't dislike him, but uh, he's in Mudbound. Um, I, I've not seen Four Brothers. Um, I feel like I saw something. Oh, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. I'm not a fan Four of Four Brothers with uh, Ben Diesel and Mark Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I guess him. Uh, Garrett Hedlund. Um, Ethan Hawke? No. No, I don't think Ethan Hawke's in that. I think it's Garrett Hedlund that you're thinking of. Um, he's kind of got a He's kind of got a Ethan Hawke look i wouldn't say he looks exactly like hawk by any means but there's a similarity to the style um that's our last movie for saturday and then sunday we're going to try to squeeze in uh at least one maybe two 
Uh, we're going to focus, though, on good posture as our probable only uh, film that we're going to get to see from the festival that day. Yeah, I wish there were more we see that day, but uh, good posture. Recent film school graduate Lillian, played by Grace Van Patten, comes to New York to move in with her boyfriend, Nate, played by Gary Richardson. Fed up with her sense, uh, pardon me, fed up with her sense of entitlement, lack of drive and reliance on the absentee father whose own self-obsession mirrors her own, Nate quickly breaks up with her, leaving her desperate for a new home. Enter Julia Price, played by Emily Mortimer, a renowned and reclusive writer who accommodates Lillian with a small room at her perfectly appointed Brooklyn Brownstone. Expecting cooking and cleaning in exchange for the accommodations, Julia and Lillian are an instant clash of personalities. Instead of fighting in person, they begin a deadly ritual of passive-aggressive but canny note writing that, slowly but surely, edges them nearer to understanding. I'm really interested in this. Um, the girl, uh, Grace Van Patten, sorry to call her a girl, she's probably a grown woman, um, she was on The Sopranos, apparently, as uh, Ali Pontecorvo. Um, she's in a recent release under the silver lake, uh, the TV show maniac on Netflix. That I've not watched. It has Emma Stone and Jonah Hill in it. And she's in the Meyerowitz stories, which I very much liked. Um, I think she might've been, she's Eliza, but I think that might've been Adam Sandler's daughter, but I'm not a hundred percent on that. Um, but I feel pretty confident. And then, um, this movie also has Nat Wolf, who you might know from hereditary. Um, and he's the, the son in hereditary. He's in paper towns, um, Fallen Our Stars. Am I wrong? Is it the other brother that's in Hereditary? Oh, yeah. I think I'm wrong. I apologize. It's the other brother that is in Hereditary. Okay. Um, but they're they're both good. Um, but he's in Fallen Our Stars and Paper Towns, and I liked him in both of those. And apparently he was in the... Uh, I've not seen, but people really hated it, the Netflix uh, Death Note adaptation. Um, so what's the other wolf's name? Because I thought... I thought it was Nat, but I guess it's Alex. Is it Alex Wolf? Is it the other guy, the brother? But the only wolf I know of is Dick Wolf. From, oh, uh, what what is the TV show Law and Order? Ah, well, and then we get um, it's directed by Dolly Wells uh, for the, this film, and she has uh, directed some other stuff. Let's see here. Um, wow, a lot of stuff. Oh, she's got some IT crowd. IT crowd credits. Where's the directing? Oh no, I'm sorry, I'm totally wrong. She's only directed. Uh, good posture, but she's acted in a bunch of stuff. And is is she the lead in IT? I don't know if l- listener. No, she's not the lead. She's only on a couple episodes. Um, I'm a big fan of IT Crowd. Uh, yeah, I watched a couple episodes with you. Oh man, yeah, it's so good. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm intrigued to uh to see this. Um, I like movies about filmmakers. Uh, so that's well, it's a film student. Um, and it's a New York movie, which makes sense at Tribeca. Uh, so I'm hoping this one will be great. And I love um, some passive aggressive behavior. So. Me too. It can Actually, be very cinematic. Yeah, yeah, it can be very, very cinematic. Um, that said, we may make one more, but we, we're not going to aim to uh, just because our schedule is going to be tight. We're going to be flying out. But there's one last thing we hope to see, um, at least for our second time, uh, which will be Avengers Endgame. Oh, yeah. We'd like to try to catch on a big IMAX screen in New York. Um and if we can, then that might be what we do our Sunday afternoon. Even though we both have already seen Endgame, no spoilers here. Um, seeing it on an IMAX, I didn't get to see it on IMAX, which you did. IMAX 3D. Okay, so I, I have not seen it on an IMAX screen. I, I believe the whole thing was shot on IMAX, so it's meant to be on the screen. So I'm kind of curious to uh, to see it there. And I loved it so much, I do want to see it a second time. So why not see it in New York? Um, well, now when I think of Avengers, I think of New York because... 
Well, we yeah. just came back from New York when Infinity War came out, and it was it was awesome seeing yeah. their portrayal of New York. Because I'm just like, man, I, I was just there, and it feels like I could really kind of immerse myself in some of the sequences in that film where they're doing battle on the streets. And uh, for sure, um, there there are some other movies that are at the festival that we're not going to get to see because we are only covering five days of it. Uh, yeah. And there's a lot that I want to see. Right? Which, uh, yeah, but, um, you know, there's always opportunities. We might see some extra stuff in screener form. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a busy couple of days because, like, this, we're recording this kind of late. Dave's got work to do. I've got stuff to do before we head out. To, um, we're getting up super early Wednesday morning, flying out there. We'll be there for five days. We're going to watch all these movies. Uh, my reviews will be up at BurkeReviews.com. Um, we'll do some type of wrap-up episode maybe the following week. Uh, where we, you know, we talk about, um, the show. Um, but, uh, anything else we see, we'll include there. Um, I, in fact, I already did see a, a film that, pre- uh, pre- ah, premiered on the 26th, um, at the festival called A Taste of Sky. Um, I got a digital screener for that since we couldn't attend. Yeah. And, um, it's a documentary that I found to be very, very interesting. It's about, um, it's about food, but it's also about, education and passion and uh it, it, my review for that just went up live uh bolivian cuisine but it's it's also um it starts with uh norwegian cuisine that uh, uh i'm gonna klaus i believe was his name mm-hmm. um and i found the documentary to be very very interesting and um i'm i work very closely with a culinary teacher at my school um we're good friends and uh she likes to show movies that feature food um as right a reward but also as like you know inspiration to see what types of food and and uh see all these different kinds of food that maybe you don't have access to or also to and like um there's a film i found a few years ago called east side sushi that i introduced her to um and it led her to her learning to do sushi and teaching her students to do sushi um, and using the movie as like the entry point so um whenever i catch a food film i'm always like is this one she could use because like there are some that i i've kind of enjoyed bradley cooper's burnt but it's it's a real hard R. Is there another one called Cook? Um, there, uh, there's a sh- chef, chef, yeah, uh, John Favreau uh, with Robert Downey Jr. in a very small role. Um, John Leguizamo is great in that movie too. I love Chef. Um, I don't know. Chef gets a little. It's not a hard R, but there is a lot of cursing. So, you know, pick or choose. Um, my students, we watch a lot of stuff, but we have permission slips because movies are a part of our whole curriculum. Right. Um, but for you know other teachers, usually they try to avoid questionable things that like a parent might be upset about like oh how dare you show a movie and of course like chefs i think straight lace there's no like nudity or sex there is it's who's his wife in that selma hayek i don't know or uh, no 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 sofia vergara um from uh modern family is is john favreau's uh either wife or ex-wife i think um yeah good casting favreau um but yeah that's our preview episode for tribeca film um, you can follow me on social media. I'm at Burke reviews. Uh, keep up with what we're doing. I'll be posting some pictures on Instagram of us in New York last year. The very first day we accidentally found the Ghostbuster fire station, which was so exciting. And then we went to see, yeah, we got installed upon that. And, uh... <laughs> I, I'm giving us credit. I don't know if you know this or not, but we see, we see the Ghostbusters firehouse on accident. Right. We go see Tully with Jason Reitman there. 
Later on that year, they announced the Ghostbusters 3 just, with him directing. Just before they announced it, I went back to New York. Yep. I went back to the Ghostbuster house. It was all decorated for Christmas. It was That's open. So cool. I just feel like we we are partially responsible for willing that. We willed it into existence because we were so hyped. I don't know if any, I mean other people. I saw other people take pictures. We were we took pictures like two different. We days. were there doing like photo shoots. Yeah, we we, we oh, were just so was, childhood uh, dream fulfilled. That was a place that I actually have wanted to go to since I was a child, and to, to accidentally be like, hey, is yeah, Ghostbusters? You were like, like, I think this is the road that the ghost. I'm like, really? And then it's like, bam, right in front. Oh, of Oh, it's the coolest thing. Um, yeah, I so. And it was near the hub, so we there's a good chance we're going to pass it. Oh, again. we're going to pass it every day. Um, I'm so, going to. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm in. Um, Which but, I'm looking forward to going to the hub too. I'll just point out, uh, I, I I love virtual reality. I have quite a few headsets. I have a wireless adapter for the HTC Vive, and I mean I, I try to keep up with what I can. But uh, there is going to be quite a bit of VR content um, premiering and, and being showcased at. Uh, just right at the Tribeca, I believe. Yeah, uh, I saw it last year. I was afraid to mess up my hair and get in there and and you know see what they had. And I I'm going to be all over this year if I get a chance. And we have a couple of days where you know there will be there's some gaps in time. Yeah, so, um, and the hub of course, the hub was pretty cool last year. Well, and we missed a great opportunity uh, yesterday. Rami Malek and Christian Slater were there talking about Mr. Robot. Um, another thing that I'm bummed about because that was at the hub. Uh, for basically for press, and I'm just like, good god, I, I've oh, not man. seen Mr. Robot. I've heard again. I so again, watch at least the first season. I, I need to. Level. I've heard, I I'm bad with TV. There's very few shows that I will dedicate to. Okay. Um, um, Silicon Valley is one that I dedicate my time to. Um, as it's on, I've dedicated last year. I dedicated to Barry. I've not watched Barry season two yet. Um, I'm meaning to get to it. I just haven't. I've watched both seasons of The Tick on Amazon. And that's kind of it for me. Like anything else, TV, I'm just kind of like once the whole season drops, I'll usually binge something like I love a good the good place. Yeah, um, love that. I'm definitely sitcom heavy because I like the runtime, the thirty minutes I can fit it's into the my easily schedule. digestible, and you can kind yep. of passively watch it and keep it on the background. And so. I, I've been watching uh, Psych slowly. I think I'm through like four seasons of Psych finally. I haven't seen that. Um, I like it. It's it's funny. Uh, it it is very formulaic over time. It starts to just be like, okay, I get I get what's happening. Um, but it doesn't watch TV. You got a lot of TV in circulation. Uh, well, those are uh, like psych. I throw on when I'm when I'm doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is nice yeah. to have like, and I'll do the same thing with you know South Park in the office, uh, Parks and Rec reruns. I'll leave them on. Yes, the those are really for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I call friends like comfort food for me. Like I, I've recently finally gotten into me relax. My girlfriend watches it. She's um, exposed me to it, and I, I uh, Joey too. is like my favorite character, man. He's so funny. Yeah. Uh, I'm I Chandler is my favorite because I'm I'm a spaz. Just Chandler's funny, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that's our episode, folks. Um, check back uh, in about a week. You should hear the other ones. We do have two other podcasts dropping this week while we're in New York. We have top five movies marvel moments where mike and Corey and i discuss our favorite moments throughout the first 21 marvel films endgame is off the table we were not going to talk any spoilers with endgame um, but all the other movies were up for grabs um and then uh, a new episode of movie club where Corey and i are starting our new theme for the month of may you can appreciate this david we're calling it minton box it's oh. movies that we own but haven't watched yet <laughs> oh <laughs> so, man i need to like um so we've got uh, five movies in there. I know. Oh Corey and I are bad about it, too. And so um, our first movie is Network from 1976. Our review of that will be up on Friday, uh, well, Saturday evening, early Sunday morning. Um, so check those out. Subscribe to our podcast. If you like what we're doing, please rate and review us. It helps us get listeners. And until next time, keep watching I'm movies. I'm 2019, baby. What's up? <laughs>